I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I was going to say he was going to break the silence. I, you know, it was me. One day. One day we'll it. figure out an intro. Ten years down the line. Yeah. Twenty maybe. Twenty. <laughs> we'll sit down and we'll write something and then we'll feel confident and we'll just dive right in. Is It'll this after great. we'll have done like a full vocal warm up and plan things? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm excited for future us. <laughs> Go us. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> no, it's never gonna happen. <laughs> We know ourselves. We've had years. We've had years to We've fix had this. Years. All right, listener. Welcome to Historically Badass Broads, the podcast. I say that every time, and then I think, they obviously, know. it's a podcast. But you know what? I like it. I feel like it means that we have a longer title than we do. Like there's a colon. Right, 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 the right, podcast. Right, right. right. High School Musical, the musical, the series. Oh, Jesus Christ. I can't. I can. I know you can. I haven't seen it. And no, I haven't either. Oh, thank God. Okay. I just love the title. It's a lot. I didn't understand what they were doing at first. I thought because mm. Disney Plus had another show where they were like going around, like Kristen Bell, I think was like going around and helping. I this know was exactly a great show. show. Yeah. The high school casts of like various right. musicals come back 10 years later and redo the musicals. And exactly. it was beautiful. And yeah. they had Susan Egan come and explain her methodology behind singing home which makes me cry every single time and now i know her methodology and i was like damn she's brilliant anyway so i thought it was like that but high school musical so i was not going to be into it right and then Mm, that was i was extremely wrong yeah but they're not even but they did they even do high school musical too because i'd argue it might be superior I don't know because okay. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. Okay. No, right. Mm. However, I believe it's popular. So good for them. My sister likes it. There you I go. Think. You could ask your sister these questions. And I think I have. Back. And she was just like, you should watch it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> anyway, this is a yes. podcast where we talk about podcast. awesome ladies from history that we should have learned about, should have learned more about. Mm-hmm. Um, should have learned anything true about. Mm-hmm. And it's a good time. We have fun. <laughs> Mora has the information. Chloe's got the humor. Chloe's got the perspective. Yeah. Uh, very funny and very full of perspective on, you know, just checking all the boxes on this end, you know. Yeah. Just a, just a 10. <laughs> it's fun. I like it. But then again... I'm the history freak, so that makes okay. sense. Okay, next time we're we're writing an intro. This. <laughs> okay, fine. 
Do you know who we're talking about? The worst intro we've ever done. (laughs) How dare you? No, I don't know who we're talking about because another part of this podcast is that (laughs) you do the research, I learn, and then I do the post production. Indeed. It's an equal division of labor and I love it. Um, It actually really is. Okay. Who is it? Beautiful. I need you to know that the reason I chose this person is because in the lovely month of September, there is a international talk like a pirate day. Important. And I felt there was only one person we could discuss. Which day? I don't remember. Mm. We'll post it. We'll look it up. All right. More importantly, (laughs) this was on my list, but then a lovely listener still uh, texted in and was like, you got to do it. I'm like, I know I have to do it. I'm just waiting for the right moment. Thank you for the wreck. It's going to be good. I just hope it's going to be good. (laughs) And so we're finally going to do Grania Whale, more commonly known by her Anglicanized name, Grace O'Malley. Woo! The Pirate Queen! Love it. Of Ireland. Of Ireland! I wondered if it was that weird, like, musical that, like, Stephanie J. blocked it or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do not. Well, I don't think it is. I think it might be based on Anne Bonny, who's another Irish pirate. Turns out there's some great Irish pirates. Although we should have known. I knew because I love them, but you understand. I do. I also love Ireland, so I'm excited about this. We're going to go back to the 16th century. We're heading back. We're going back. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about the 16th century? I have absolutely no opinions about it. Stunning. (laughs) What are your opinions on it? I'm a big fan. I feel like it's a fun time. Um. It's it's later than my preferred set of thousand years of history, Middle Ages. Um, but in some parts of the world, it is effectively still the Middle Ages, for example, in Ireland. So I'm a big fan. Mm. Um, so I'm going to give a quick background for Ireland at the time. I think it's important to get a good base understanding. Right, right. So 1530, we're heading back to 1530. And Henry VIII is king of England at the moment. And he's technically called himself the Lord of Ireland, which is really funny. But basically, Irish clans were left to their own devices. No one really tried to get in there. It was fairly remote. Um, They basically had as much control over Ireland as they did the Americas, i.e. none. And for the tiny bit of area that like, was the capital of their Ireland, like the English Ireland. That was the only little bit of influence they had. So like, instead of being like a little colony or whatever, which comes later and it's really horrible. You've heard of the famine. I have. Yes. It's a big Related one. to potatoes. I, I heard. Indeed. Indeed. Someone made a joke about like how they could only eat potatoes. And that's why it was called that. I was like, sir, No. I actually think that's a pretty commonly held opinion. What? Yeah. Do they know what the word famine means? Yes. <laughs> I think that theory still makes sense. The potato famine. Yeah, as I in... I.e. a lack of potato. Yeah, I think people think of the word famine as like a lack of food in general. So there was a lack of food in general, but they had potatoes, maybe, and that's all they could eat. It's That's a really, really common opinion. Is it really? Mm-hmm. No, they were all diseased and horrible. 
And they couldn't the eat potatoes. and they all starved. Like millions of people died. Millions. Anyway. No, th- I think people know that part. I think okay, it. <laughs> okay. okay. I was like, well, I don't know now. I'm questioning everything. It's tough. We learned about the potato famine in school. Very little bit of international history we I were taught as didn't. Americans. You didn't? No. Oh, interesting. We should actually, we've never compared. I'm curious. All the things that we learned in school? Well, like history-wise, because it's a very, it's very biased. It has nothing to do with history. It has everything. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely, there's like so many things that happen in history that I feel like (laughs) some people just choose. (laughs) Well, and usually, I, I firmly believe mostly, if I'm able to, that you should read a book about a country by someone who was not born and raised there. So that it's less biased? Yeah, if you mm. can. Mm. One of my favorite histories of part of the Civil War was written by Dr. Amanda Foreman, who's a British woman. By the way, it's a great book. Any Also read anything she's written. I love her. Um, mm. But yeah, you know, interesting. So, okay, so we're going a little bit before the potato famine. Um, and so effectively the clan system is still very much intact and in power. So like the rest of the world is neoclassicism and the Renaissance is booming and yada, yada, yada. And in Ireland, they're still living the same. They're doing the same. The system is the same. Um, and it's a fairly good system. Um, what's really interesting, it's, it's actually the, Laws of inheritance for the system are based on Salic law or Salian theory, which is an old Catholic uh, theory that um, basically you would be anointed to a position of power, i.e. like king. Like this is how the kings of France were um, crowned. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd be anointed like a priest and women cannot be anointed like a priest because sexism. Of so... Um, that's why there were no queen regnants of France, um, even though there really could have been quite a few of them. Um, and that's the same theory behind the clan system in Ireland. What's interesting, though, is that it's not based on primogeniture, which is the idea that the eldest son inherits everything. Basically, mm-hmm. if you were part of the family, you could be elected to be the head of the clan, which I think is really cool. And medieval Scotland had something similar. Um, and they're they're semi-connected you have to you know like they're not quite the same but they're semi-connected um and what's really interesting is that branya whale grace o'malley um i'm gonna refer to her by her legendary awesome name is Grania whale because that's how the irish people like to refer to her i believe so we're gonna do it also i had my friend molly um who speaks irish which is hilarious because we're fully jewish um she I'm, I like sent her names and I was like, can you pronounce this for me? So she'd send me voice clips. Anyway, it hmm. was great. That was useful. It was really useful. Yeah. Love that. Um, she was mad at me though, because it was a bit late. And then I made her do this one. It's Granny Wheel's youngest son. And she like couldn't figure it out. So she's like, I'm still awake trying to figure it out. I hate you. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but she got it. Um, I digress. So she 
in Granuel's lifetime, she actually was a big part of like going back and forth, um, back and forth to Scotland to bring over like mercenaries, effectively like Scottish mercenaries. But they were really loyal to her, which is great, and it's one of the reasons she ends up being in prison later. We'll talk about it. Um, so. It's an interesting clan system. It's fairly patriarchal at this point. There were a lot of really, what's cool in like Irish Gaelic folklore is that there's a lot of really powerful women. Like, and there's actually like a woman who is in the legends who was like a famous um, mariner. So there's a lot of inspiration for Granuale, but like in her everyday life, it wasn't necessarily there, Mm -hmm. you know? And so she was raised really differently. So she was born to um, Dovdara O'Malley and Margaret, which was great. I loved that one. I was able to pronounce that one on my own. <laughs> and <laughs> and she was most likely their only child, although Dovdara had most likely a illegitimate child, Donald. But what was really – I didn't know this about Ireland. I didn't know this about Ireland. It was very fun. Um Illegitimate children had as much claim to inheritance as legitimate children. Pretty advanced for 1500s. It was. It was. And, like, you know. So she had a brother, but um, she she deals with that real quickly. So the way that she's in, um, like, she doesn't really necessarily get educated in the way that I would have thought a woman of her standing would have, which would have been not at all. Um, She most likely speaks fluent Latin. We pretty much know she speaks fluent Latin. Mm -hmm. Um, She speaks Irish. She speaks English, which was very interesting. A lot of people didn't. She speaks most likely some Spanish and like, I think she speaks... French and Scots Gaelic. So she's wow. speaking a lot of different languages. And probably the languages reason why- do you need yeah. to be able to speak to be counted as a polyglot? Like, do we think she's a polyglot or is she just. Is Polly like mm-hmm. five? Oh, God. Oh, God. Polyglot. How many languages? More than five. Okay, hold on. She's got. She has five. I'm going to say she's a polyglot. Almost made the cut. (laughs) I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I don't care. Hang on. Wait, no. Wait, no. She is. I'm seeing seeing another one that says at least four and then understand more. Okay. Hold on. Speak four. She speaks Irish, Latin, English, Spanish, French, and Scots Gaelic. That's six. She is officially a polyglot. Love. Polyglots are so cool. I know. My God. Like what? Your brain structure must be so different. I'm obsessed. Crazy. (sighs) So she, like, was most likely raised, like, at sea with her dad, like, kind of as an apprentice. She was an exception to that rule. She was most likely educated um, in either one of two houses of friars that were maintained by her dad. Um, So, you know, she learned to read and write, which was very uncommon. And Mm. more importantly, she learned how to be an exceptional explorer and mariner. Mm. And there's a really wonderful woman who has written two biographies on her. Her name's Anne Chambers, and she's a brilliant historian. I really enjoyed reading her work. And 
the only reason she's like a historian is because she was obsessed with Grania Whale and wanted to write a book about her and then did. Aww. And all of a sudden she gets to write other books. And I was like, that's awesome. Um, so Rita Ann Chambers, um, Ireland's pirate queen, big fan. Shout out Anne. So according to Anne and many other people, in the age of the great exploration, right? The 16th century is when like Drake is everywhere and everyone's exploring everywhere and they're quote rediscovering things that people lived in, you know, whatever. So in the age of like great explorations and all of these phenomenal, you know, guys going around and rediscovering things that have been discovered before or people have lived in for thousands of years, you know, um, she was seen as like the best mariner, the best. That's pretty cool. Because you never hear about that aspect of her life, right? Like we're, Mm. she's another great example of a woman that we hear all the negative things about or all the legendary things that are most likely not true that make her look really evil or weird. Like Mm. in most, I mean, she wasn't the first in her family to be a pirate. She just happened to be the first woman. Right. But that makes her evil. Yeah. (laughs) But what was the best part for me is that she was the best pirate out of her family. So she knows that, like, if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. And I love that. <laughs> right, right. So she's brought up her dad's, like, kind of raising her and to to be his successor almost. And I don't really know the circumstances of why he chose her, not Donald, whatever. Doesn't really matter. We're a big fan. And they would travel and trade a lot with Spain and France and all of these different countries and areas. They'd go to Scotland. They'd go to parts of England. And it was just part of their route effectively their trade route and there's a legend um that her dad didn't want her to go with her with him at first because her long hair would catch in the ship's ropes and so she cut her hair and that's where grania whale comes from is um the idea of having i think it's grania whale it's spelled m-h-a-o-l and i believe m-h followed by an a is a w molly She'll tell me. Um, and so it means like having cropped hair. So Grania with the cropped hair, which is Anglicanized into Grania whale, um, which I think I is really it. fun. Yeah. And so she may have been fostered into another family. That was something that happened a lot in Ireland. It also happened a lot in um, Scotland where they would effectively mm. just like be raised with honor by another um, noble family. And that was mm-hmm. just um, – like a, I think it's a cool tradition. You get another perspective and someone else is responsible for you because your parents are busy, um, among other things. Like during the day or for years? For, for a couple of years. Um, probably not that long um, for her, just because she really accompanied her father on most of his adventures, it seems like, from when she was mm-hmm. able to. Mm-hmm. And however, though, in 1546, she was a good 16-year-old noblewoman and got married um, to Donal O'Flaherty. I'm not saying it right. That's okay. I'm doing my best. Um, and that was a really good match because he's the heir to the chief of the his own clan, and she likewise is unofficially the heir to hers. Um, she's not really the heir her half-brother is, another Donal, but um, – no one really talks about him much, so it's fine. <laughs> um, and so she's given a great dowry, which includes a place called Clare Island, which becomes a really important aspect of her life um, hmm. and a couple other places. And what's really cool about, again, I keep discovering all these things about like the Irish um, clan system. Upon the 
death of her husband. So if she's widowed or like something else, her land would revert back to her. So they have three kids. She has Owen, Maeve, and Murrow. Cute. Murrow? M-U-R-R-O-U-G-H. I didn't ask Molly about this one. So we're going to just say what we're going to say. Maeve, her daughter, was said to be like really like her, which was really cool. And um, she married a man eventually whose nickname is the Devil's Hook. So big fan. Do we know anything about that guy? Yeah, his name was Richard Burke. He was really cool. We'll talk about him. We'll talk about him. Um, okay. But anyway, so... Murak was said to be kind of stupid. We didn't like him very much. He sucked. Um, he would beat his sister Maeve and didn't like his mom because she was a lady. And we'll talk about it later. Basically, she hates him. Really yeah, hates him later. But we'll talk about that. About- <laughs> I know. I know. He sucked. Um, so in 50- So I don't really know much of what's happening during these early years of her marriage. She's 16 when she's married, and I don't really know much of anything about her life until she's like 34. It seems like she was pretty preoccupied with having three kids. It seems mm-hmm. like she was also getting quite involved in her husband's family and the clan system. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So she... What ends up happening in around 1564, so she's like 34, is her husband's implicated in a plot to kill someone that would benefit his nephew. I'm not including names because everyone has similar names or names I can't pronounce. So Mm -hmm. it's just a lot. So basically, he's involved in all these like weird feudings and he's battling his neighbors all the time. And Granny Whale just... Did he do it? Do we know if he did it? Or what? You you just confused. I'm going to go ahead and say he did. All right. I'm just gonna say it. I don't care. Okay, I'm saying it. I, this is our podcast. We can actually say whatever we want. Oh my god! It's like um, that's <laughs> what um, Trixie Mattel and Katya. Yes, I was thinking that when I said it. I didn't I know you it. watched that. Oh my god! I watch everything they do. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed too. Did you watch Trixie Mattel? No, not yet. <gasps> I want to though. Maybe you'll have to come visit. California will go to Palm Springs and stay in her hotel. That would be iconic. I was watching the the celebrity drag race, Mm. secret celebrity drag race, and Mm. Katya was one of the, like, guest performers. She's extraordinary. Obsessed. A truly fearless, fearless person. I just love the lack of filter. There's, there's just no, and it's also like a physical filter. Like, everything she does, I'm just... In awe. Iconic and stunning. She's stunning. I mean, just gorgeous. Yeah, it's true. And hmm. a bi icon. I know. I, you know, I love a bi icon. We love a bi icon. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, because it's our show and not yours. Yeah. yeah. I love it. <laughs> I will not say the name of that show. I will not do it justice. Um, so. Like 1564, 1565, he's still being stupid. And he's killed in an ambush. It could have been an assassination. We'll talk about it. Not really. Basically, one of the neighbors was like, I kind of want control of a castle that's known as the cock. Like like a rooster. And, sure. but we all know what it really means. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> um, and so it could have been done by Clan Joyce. But what ends up happening is Granuel like immediately kind of takes over Clan O'Flaherty and 
what's really incredible is like she superseded seating her husband as chieftain and was fully accepted by his clansmen. Like no one made an argument about it, nothing. Hmm. And I think that's incredible. And to me, it really speaks of what she was doing in those intervening years. Hmm. Because clearly she showed herself to be very strong and, you know, really incredible. And I have a quote from Ann Chambers that I want to talk about because I think it's just brilliant. Mm -hmm. So this is a quote. Whether leadership was forced upon Granuel out of necessity or not, there had to be a receptive, ambitious need within her, which drove her to take on the mantle of power at a time and in a society that sought to consign women to a life of domesticity and dependence. Gaelic society demanded that their leaders were strong of will and body, able to protect those who gave them allegiance and to defend their domain. Any signs of weakness or frailty on the part of a chieftain was certain to unleash the ambitions of competitors for his office. To retain control of her crewmen, to enforce her will, it was essential that Granuel led by example, enduring and outdoing the men she led by land and by sea. Mm. And around this time, we see the first reports of her attacking ships sailing into the port of Galway. <laughs> so you haven't said anything negative, which is a theme in this podcast. We tend mm. to we tend to be on their side. Mm-hmm. But you've mentioned a few things about people thinking that she's bad historically, mm-hmm. like na- you know now retrospectively. Sure. And no, she's like a bit of a that, cult leader, like a cult fan. That that now, quote but. to me sounded like she wasn't. I mean, like she can't show any weakness at all. Mm-hmm. And if you can't show any weakness, sometimes that means that you're kind of uh, harsh. Yeah, that's fair. I haven't heard any of that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pointing it out as a as a I'm I'm. Interested. We're about to get our first example. <laughs> All right. Oh, perfect. It's like I said. So, it. <laughs> yeah, you knew, you knew. So again, the only reason I'm bringing up the background is because it's again, wow, we have a lack of information about formative years of this person's life, including yeah, like the first two decades. Yeah, three almost. Um, mm-hmm. she's 34 by the time this is all happening, and. What's extraordinary, though, is I think what we know about her is that she was raised on the sea. She was raised in her family's tradition, which was very much about not pillaging so much as just uh, interesting trading tactics. But Mm -hmm. people knew who they were. They also had legitimate trading tactics. They were able to tax people to fish around in their areas. That's part of being the chieftain, like all, you know, legitimate things and also part of their culture. And so she's in this new family. Her husband's assassinated. And very quickly, it's clear that instead of going to her eldest son, Owen, or to anything like that, she's the leader. Mm. And it wasn't because she took power, although she may have, like, come forward. But let me just say, these, like, hardened Irish clan men would Mm. not have just followed along if they didn't believe in her. Do you know what I mean? Like, they just not, they wouldn't have. It just wouldn't have happened. They could overpower her if they wanted to. Very easily. Right. And it was risky, I think, for her to kind of come forward and openly say, hey, I'm your new chieftain. Mm. But she did. And they were like, yes, you are. We love you. So the clan Joyce, who may have been the ones who killed her husband, they uh, decided to try and get the cock castle. <laughs> right. Um, and they, it came under siege. Like, it was bad. And... Um, 
but she defended it with such bravery that they renamed it to Hen's Castle. Mm. And not that long later, the English were like, we got to come siege that too. That was fun. I heard what that was fun. What is up with this castle? I'm telling you, it was a, it's, it's an important, it's a, like a, an important crossroads, I think. Does it have like cool bricks or something? Does it still exist? Let's check. Oh! <laughs> it does? Oh my God, it's on a tiny little baby island. See? Yes! Cute. That's so cool. Little baby castle. Oh, in the 19th century, the room was vandalized. Why? Fuck the Victorians, man. Why? Why do that? Because they wanted to use the stones to build houses. <laughs> the Victorians. We'll we'll send a picture. It's literally on the tiniest little island. That it's hilarious. Is I'm obsessed. So funny. Um, they were like this prob this thing this old thing. Yeah. So the English were like, we want it to. Because it's in, it's in, I believe, from my understanding, it's in an important area of, um, like, in a bay or whatever. It's it's literally on the tiniest island. We will send a picture. It's hilarious. Or show a picture on our Instagram. Mm. And so the English were like, we want it. And so it it became really desperate. When you're under siege like that, it you're basically, you've got what you have in your castle and that's it. And you're fighting back constant attacks. They're, you know, although what I think is interesting is most siege tactics would be like building a trench around the castle and doing other things. They wouldn't have been able to do that because it's literally on a tiny island. Um, Mm. But she would not surrender. Like it was desperate, but Mm. she wouldn't. So she melted the lead roof of the castle and tipped it over the parapets onto the besiegers. What? But isn't that destroying the castle? No, she just took the roof off. Mm. Okay. Well, there was like most likely a a wood or thatch underneath it to support the lead, but right. But isn't the lead there for a reason? Yeah, it's to keep rain out. But if you're all gonna die, who cares about rain? I guess so. I, I guess so. And then she had one of her men sneak out under the under the cover of darkness, and she had after her husband died, she had set up beacons everywhere to to like be able to light like pretend like it's lord of the rings like light a beacon and it would like go through and you know alert people that there was danger and Mm. she had one of her men sneak out and he lit the beacon on the hill of dune which is hilarious to me and all of her followers came and lifted the siege like very quickly wow she's the widow of the chieftain she survived all this everyone's really devoted to her she ends up um getting her dowry back because her husband died. And she was due a percentage of her late husband's property, like a third, but she didn't really get it. She ends up going back to her father's lands and she settles on Clare Island again. And she starts like building her base. Like she has a base of her husband's followers, but she's like, nah, I need to like shore everything up. Mm -hmm. So men from literally all these different warring clans abandon their own clan and accept her leadership. They want to. Like, they hear about her and they go, we want to serve under her. Because she's the best. Yeah. And they all like hate each other. They'd be murdering each other, but they put that aside and they want to accept her leadership. And that's, I've never heard of anything like that happening. So ever. she's, she brings world peace. Oh my God. She brings world peace. Irish Icon. Peace, truly. Yeah. And then when her father passes away, most of the O'Malley clan 
follows and decides to serve under her. Like, again, they're making choices. They choose it. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So she's getting she gets married again in 1567, but under very d- different circumstances this time. She, weirdly enough, is the stepbrother to the guy her first husband murdered. I learned something else about the Irish tradition I didn't know. They could have trial marriages. If they were like, we're going to try this out for a year, and if we don't like it, that's fine. We're done. So no harm, for, no foul. It's the, the terms are a year? No, I think they could choose whatever period they wanted to choose. She chose a year. Huh. And it said that she ends up in this within that year having her son, and this is the word that we've had a hard time pronouncing, Chaboid. Chaboid Nalong was born, and he was most likely born on her ship. She had, I don't know how to describe this woman. You don't, she gave birth on a ship. What? It was a gross ship full of men. It was a galley. It's not like it was a huge ship. I mean, it was a big ship, but it was a galley. Mm-hmm. It's gross. It's full of bacteria, all this shit. She gives birth to a person, a full-on child, on her ship. And the next day, there's this mm-hmm. tradition that they were attacked by Algerian pirates. And her captain came below deck and was like, please help us, Grani Whale. And she said, and I quote, may you be seven times worse off this day, 12 months hence. Cannot do without me for one day. And she wraps a blanket around herself and goes and joins her men and fights them off. What? I'm obsessed. What? Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right do you know what though for the for the for the like germ thing yeah i i will say that like if that's the life that she's used to i get it (laughs) i i do too except day after giving birth i know you'd think she was maybe in pain (laughs) i would assume she was or uh weakened slightly most likely but i guess not i think she was was but that adrenaline man i uh, science is crazy it's, it's <laughs> extraordinary so she wants revenge against a, there's a theory there's a whole tale i don't know if this is true there's effectively mm-hmm. a tale that before she married her second husband she found a man who was shipwrecked and they became lovers and it lasted very briefly. And then clan McMahon killed him and she attacked their stronghold of Duna castle. She killed all of his murderers and her nickname then became the dark lady of Duna. Um, But I don't know if that's true, but there is clearly something happened with, the McMahons and Ballycroy and Duna Castle. So around the time after her first son, her final son, her third son is born to Boyd to Boyd. Oh shit. I'm going to say to Boyd. Um, she's going to attack the castle again. And apparently the McMahons um, were like praying and she was like, I don't care. And that was, like, not something you did. And then apparently there was another tale. I love it. This is when we're getting into legends, right? We don't know if this is true, but if it is, I love it. There's another lord who stole from her, and he flees to a church for sanctuary. She waits there, outside the sanctuary, going, you can starve or you can surrender. 
the thief digs a tunnel and escapes. Mm. And there was a hermit who lived in the church and he broke his vow of silence to scold her, i.e. men breaking a vow of silence they made to a quote God to scold a woman. I can't. Um, And uh, apparently he broke it to scold her for attempting to harm someone who had sought sanctuary. Um, Her reply is not recorded, but we can imagine it. And I feel like it's beautiful. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's what we've learned, though, I think, about women in history who have mostly legends that tell us about them. Mm-hmm. What is the legend trying to say about her? Because that's the impression that we're meant to take. If it happened, if it didn't, sometimes we don't know. Oftentimes legends are based on very, very tiny, semi-unrelated kernels of truth, right? Mm -hmm. And we have to take what we can to flush out about this person's life. And what I like about Grania Whale is the legends we've got about her are hilarious and speak to her character and i Mm. like that i like that it speaks to her character it's not saying she's a a whore which is mostly what they do it's not saying you know she's weak or she's a woman and wasn't really doing all the work it's giving Mm -hmm. her the credit and it's it's giving her guts and i love it i'm a big fan um so she ends up meeting the Lord Deputy of England, um, Lord Sidney, and his son is Philip Sidney, who's a very famous poet, will become even more famous later. And they end up meeting her and they like kind of he- have heard about this woman. And so they end up meeting her and it seems kind of exciting to them. And so they she had they pay her to take them out in the bay in one of her galleys. And then they go back to Queen Elizabeth who has now by now is the queen of England and they're about the same age, by the way, just so you know. And um, they tell Queen Elizabeth about this woman, Granuale, who is doing, you know, who's this pirate queen. And she uses this really cool kind of um, network of harbors. So she has complete advantage over other people like nautically because she knows better than anyone the islands the channels Mm -hmm. all the different fortresses that she has all along Mm -hmm. the west coast of ireland and she could move very freely to trade to attack to defend and 
it's, you know, kind of seen as this untouchable area because it had crazy tides and different currents and only someone who would have that knowledge of it and even knew that that was there and that there were these, these channels, you know, Mm -hmm. would Mm -hmm. be able to use it. And that's what she had been using to get to Scotland, to get the mercenaries to come over and help her to trade and to go to Spain, which, you know, is interesting because at the same time, Spain's trying to always invade England because, you know, King Philip has an issue with himself. Um, And it's, so it's, it's to her advantage that she has this, you know, she's got the home turf advantage, really. And people were kind of scared of it because it was clear that you could be shipwrecked. There could be a lot of stuff going on. Um, So things start to go in, in a different direction. She tries to attack the lands of the Earl of Desmond, um, who was in the middle of a big battle for his own lands. And I'm not really entirely sure why she attempted to do so. I assume it was because maybe he slighted her. Or, I don't know, maybe she was just like, this is a great opportunity. He's in the middle of doing something else, and I can just take this. Unfortunately, she kind of miscalculated. So she's captured and she's imprisoned for a year and a half in uh, Limerick's jail. Damn. And then when the Earl of Desmond, so they're all under this big, they're infighting. But at the same time, there's immense pressure from England because Queen Elizabeth, or as I refer to her in my notes, Queen Lizzie, um, she's like, I want, I really want to actually rule Ireland. I'm not just going to say I'm the Lord of Ireland. I want to be the queen. And so there's this whole process that's kind of being done that was being done a bit by um, King Henry. And it was part of like a surrender and regrant process. So basically the Irish Lord would be enticed to surrender their land and it would be regranted by the Lord deputy or by quote, the power of the, the English throne. So it's a very interesting system. It's effectively allowing for the status quo to remain, but you're given power by someone else. And the only reason an Irish Lord would have done that is because there was immense pressure being um, done to them. So she Mm -hmm. kind of did that a little bit for parts of her land. But I think when she was able to not have to do that, she didn't. Right. Um, And so the, the Irish at this point, we're in the final years of the great Irish clan system. This is kind of the end of it. And it's, because of the English encroachment into the territories and Elizabeth's desire to fully rule, not just say it in name. And Mm -hmm. so the Earl of Desmond, who's in the middle of this civil war and also kind of trying to fight against the English, he's being, he basically is brought up and has to prove his loyalty to the queen. So he brings out Grania whale and he's like, look, I have this, this pirate. Um, here you go. I'm loyal to you. Here's I'm going to give you my biggest prisoner. And so they appreciate that. She's transferred to Dublin Castle's prison. And three of her companions who were transferred with her and imprisoned were actually executed. Oh. Because what? piracy was punishable upon death. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know. Pirates are famously... Uh... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah criminals <laughs> mm-hmm. so she's released in 1579 i have no idea why not yeah, a clue i was gonna ask that like no wouldn't clue. you want to take down the kingpin 
I want to know everything about it. And I have no idea. Who ruled in her absence? I mean, I don't know the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Who was like in charge of everybody? I would assume her son, her Mm. eldest son, Owen, I would assume Mm-hmm. They seemed fairly close and she kind of raised him. It, it seems like fairly close to her. Mm-hmm. So I imagine he would have. Fascinating. Not a sure. Not, not sure at all. These dickwads tried to besiege her as she's getting out of prison and she fully destroys them. And that cements her reputation. Like Single-handedly? Pretty much. I think she has a minor um, like retinue with her, but mm-hmm. you know. She did really well. <laughs> and that that's what makes her the pirate queen. You know, like, that's it. Hmm. Her second husband, I, there was this whole, I love Anne Chambers, big fan of this novel, but most of it was about all these men fighting. I didn't care. I know it's important to have context, and I'm trying to give it when I can. But basically, there's this big <laughs> title. It's called the McWilliamship title. And her husband, Richard, like, really wants it. It was his whole life goal. His entire life was built to getting that title. He finally gets it in 1583, and then he dies two years later. Whatever. I guess once you did the thing, there's no You're good. real point. Yeah. You did it. Um, <laughs> Might as her, well head out. <laughs> I know. I know. Her son, Taboid, marries Maeve O'Connor of Sligo, which is a very important territory. And she's- Isn't his the- sister's name Maeve? Yes. They all the same names. Yeah, I know. But isn't it weird? Never mind. I mean, it's not weird for them. I say yes, personally. For them, no. Great. So the English are trying, now at this point, they're just fully invading and trying to destroy the culture. They're taking things away from people. They're um, starting to try and get them to not speak the language, all the above. Um, her... So then what happens is this. There's a man who is the governor of Ireland. His name's Richard Bingham. He is the devil. His brother, John Bingham, is likewise the devil. Um, They suck. And they're in charge of this, like, destruction of Ireland's culture. Like, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. the worst. And think of people murdering women and children and just pillaging. Worse than any pirate you've ever heard of is done, right? The worst pirates are people who act in the name of a a country while they're invading a different country. Like Mm -hmm. those are the words pirates. Let's be frank. They're pillaging, they're raping, they're destroying, um, literally burning things to the ground, destroying fields. So people can't plant things. I wonder what that'll do later. Um, all the above. So her Mm -hmm. son is married to the daughter of Edmund Burke of Castlebar who, and the Burks, which her family's a part of, I think she married, yeah, she married a Burke. They, they're an important family. Basically, these are really important families in Ireland. She's a part of it all. They're part of the upper echelon of these clans. Like there are mm-hmm. clans and then there's these clans. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. intermarried with all of them. They're all semi-loyal to each other when they need to be. And Edmund Burke, Owen's father-in-law, was a rebel against the English. And then in 1586, Captain John Bingham became the bearer baron of a area I cannot pronounce. I won't. I want to try. Balan Balanon Balanahinch. 
Balinaw Hinch. I'm going to be wrong, and it's okay. And he murders Owen. Viciously. Like, it's bad. He doesn't just kill him. He overkills him. You know? Would you mind explaining? (laughs) Uh, I don't actually know how he did it, but it's always been recorded that he, like, overkilled. I don't even know what that means. Overkill? It's like... No, 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 no. I'm... Like, I... He... It wasn't like an easy, quick little murder. It was like a very over-the-top murder, I'm assuming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm very saying like, I-, I don't understand how everyone can say that without explaining <laughs> how. I don't know. and it, it, I don't actually know. That's a great question. It seems like, I don't know. It just seems like these men, the Binghams, were just intent on destruction like torture and, him, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'll, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, it seems like effectively Owen was said to be this really kind and very forgiving man. And mm-hmm. he was tricked by Richard Bingham and John. I think he was tricked into like supporting a cause that turns out to be anti-English, but he he was literally tricked into it because he was the eldest son of this important person and he had mm. rights to land and he was murdered viciously. And then Bingham and their troops took over his castle. Like that's why. That's why he was murdered viciously. Mm-hmm. And also to send a message, I imagine. That makes more sense. And immediately. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to yeah. take someone's things, you don't need to kill them viciously. Yes. Yes. But the message makes more sense. Yeah. And immediately Granny Whale's like, this is not the end. It is the beginning. Um, she leads a revolt against him, but she's captured. And then he continues to go around murdering everyone. And he, what I love is he actually calls her the nurse to all rebellions in the province for 40 years, which gives her a lot more credit than she's due. She wasn't the like <laughs> creator of the rebellions, but she certainly fought in them. Right, but i love that he's like it's her and she's like i mean i did some of it but i don't know you know um he bingham is ordered to go to flanders by lizzie and the new lord deputy came in and he fucking hated the binghams like hated so granny whale saw her opportunity and she was like hey this guy sucks. Look what he did to my family. Look at everything. Mm. I am in, I'm wrongly imprisoned. I'm, I'm a businesswoman. I don't know. You know, things like that. Sure, and sure. he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he hates you. Here's a full pardon for all past offenses for not just you, but your entire family. Oh, heck yeah. 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 And so she's like, great. She gets out. She rebuilds her um, – her fleet of galleys. She takes up pirating again and Mm -hmm. she's killing it. And this is when the Armada tries to invade England and they fail miserably as we know. But one of the things people don't realize is they, they did succeed only in that they shipwrecked on Ireland on Ireland. (laughs) And one very large galley shipwrecked on Clare Island. And it seems like English tradition says that she murdered all the Spaniards, but considering the fact that she had an extremely beneficial and profitable trade relationship with Spaniards, she probably didn't. Um, She probably took everything they had in their ship that was valuable, but it doesn't seem like she killed them at all. Okay. 
So she's just going around living her life again at this point. There's still this, you know, it's quote called the nine years war. It's still happening. It's still a kind of concerning event everywhere. People are fighting, but she's also concerned with the, you know, with making sure her people are okay. That's her job is to protect and defend her people. So she's Mm -hmm. doing that. And there's another revolt. Bingham is back. He's even worse than before somehow. And he's ravaging the people in the lands. She is literally left with nothing except her boats. And Mm -hmm. so she's at sea to survive with her people. Right. And then her own son, the Dickwad Murrah, or Murrow or whatever, he allies himself with Bingham. Why? Because he sucked. No. <laughs> There's no reason why. Just because the just because he was in power, maybe, and he wanted to associate with someone in power. Most likely, and even I mean, his he allied himself with the man who viciously murdered his brother. Right. Like that's what I mean. I I, I don't know why. Like, I don't have a reason. He just yeah. sucked. <laughs> maybe he liked the idea of hurting people more because he seemed to be a bit of a you know what little sociopath little psychopath little something enjoying other people's pain yikes well uh, he's also the one who was abusing Maeve right yep right okay and didn't uh, listen to his mom because she was a lady well actually then kind of makes sense yeah checks out right checks out well then there's the reason and the moment Granuel heard that she's like what son I don't have that son but yeah. if I did, he'd be stupid. So apparently she like insults him a lot, which I think is hilarious and I love. Um, and she she actually starts taking arms against him. And that action, the mm. Binghams use to disseminate, they, they disseminate that across England and say, look at this horrific woman. She would take arms against her son. Mm. So it's all part of that. And then it gets worse. Bingham finds her sea domain, the network of harbors, the fortresses, the channels. It had made her activities on the West Coast completely hidden. She was able to move around, and then she couldn't move around. She couldn't really hide. And so she was still going around trying to survive. At this point, it's really survival, Um, Mm -hmm. trying to rebuild her lands, trying to make them fertile again. But at some point, there's only so much she can do. Eventually, the pressure is such um, her son, Tavoid, ends up submitting in the Irish rebellions, which is at that point kind of submitting to, um, like, the English. And this is in 1592. So she is in her 60s. Ooh. This is all happening. It takes so long. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So she's in her 60s. Mm-hmm. She has... If we just think about what happened, and the reason I think it explains why she refuses to submit to this, she was born into a beautiful culture, an interesting culture, a different one. It was the world of her ancestors. It was tradition. It was all of that. And within the space of her lifetime, it was gone. It was something Mm -hmm. unrecognizable, and her land was destroyed, and her people were destroyed. And her son was murdered, and her other son betrayed her. Like Mm -hmm. All of these things happen, and it makes complete sense. She's like, no. I'm not going to submit. So when Tavoid submits, he's captured. He he is imprisoned. That's kind of part of it. 
And mm-hmm. so basically her half-brother Donald is also captured and Bingham is like, ha, 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 I win. By the way, Queen Lizzie, this woman is a rebel and a pirate. And he said, and I quote, it was due to continual discord and dissension that the Irish chieftains had to take arms for defense of the people. They're blaming her. Of course. Um, so Grania Whale starts writing to Queen Elizabeth in 1593. Unheard of. Unheard of. She starts writing her. And she sails over to England and she petitions to speak with her. And they do. And Grania Whale waits. She has to wait to be able to speak. So she's basically, sorry, she's waiting from June to September. She's like seeking an audience. Like waiting for a letter to come back? Well, like waiting for the queen to actually want to hear her. That was very common. You like, you know, people would come from wide over and they would come to seek an audience with the queen and it would literally take months and then the queen would notice them and they could have that audience. Um, I'm sorry. Do they rent an Airbnb in the meantime? Well, they would stay either in the castle because if they're dignitaries or in one of the castles or free way to stay in the castle. Um, I don't know about that, but, or they would stay in a home or something. Sure. Airbnb. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I was obviously kidding, but no, I know. I know (laughs) they would stay either. They would rent rooms somewhere. They'd stay at a pub. They'd stay somewhere where they were able to have rooms or if they were important enough, they were hosted by the queen. I mean, that gives her like a slight bit of, uh, what's the word? Escape is not the word I'm looking for, but like well, no, it, it kind of does. It gives her, it her a respite, safe, yeah, right, a bit of a safe place for a bit. Definitely, definitely interesting. And she's appealing to William Cecil, who's Lizzie's secretary, mm-hmm. and he said, "I like you. You're interesting, but first, I have a list of 18 questions for you to answer." Okay. And we, she answered them. They're very famous questions. He like, basically, he had given the queen a lit, like her family pedigree. He said like, here's what she did, but also I want you to speak for yourself basically. So he gives her these 18 questions and she ends up kind of uh, speaking on her own behalf. And um, that's what allowed, that's what made Elizabeth choose to finally meet with her. Are the 18 questions questions about who she is? You yep. Mean? Who she oh, is okay. and her life and why she did does what she does and got it. All the above. Mm-hmm. And when they meet, Granuel knows what Bingham's told her. She like, no, she fucking knows. Right. And so she says, you know what? I am a rebel and I've been a pirate. But the reason is because there's been all of this enmity there's been fighting and the irish chieftains we've had to protect our people Mm -hmm. so we've we've done what's necessary and elizabeth would understand that more than anyone and they're both around the same age so they're these women in their 60s you know meeting and granuel shows up and there's again a lot of legends about this It, it says that she shows up in a very fine gown which they weren't necessarily expecting of an irish woman but or a she's pirate. a pirate Irish lady, so, you know, she's got all the goods. Right, right. And <clears throat> she tells Elizabeth about her life. She tells her that she's had two marriages, about her sons, that one's betrayed her, that one's been murdered, mm-hmm. that she's been a widow. Um, 
And she says, I will surrender my lands of my sons and my two nephews. If you grant me freedom, if you free my son and, you know, you basically, you know, help her. And the queen liked her. The queen was like, oh, she's cool. And it said that the queen said about her, quote, nefarious activities that Granny Whale hath at times lived out of order. But it does sound like what the Binghams are doing is pretty bad. Like I agree with that. So, and Bingham had written to the queen. He was really pissed off. But the queen's like, I don't know. This sounds bad. So she sides with Granny Whale. And she orders the release of Granny Whale's son and uh, nephews and such out of prison. And that she's siding with an Irish person over an English person. Well, right? I think it's also perhaps there was a, a scene kinship of women. Also, what's kind of interesting is Granny Whale makes this kind of um, appeal and basically says um, – Oh, I have the quote. Okay. Um, she asked the queen to grant unto your said subject under your most gracious hand of signet free liberty during her life to invade with sword and fire all of your highness's enemies, whosoever they are or shall be without any interruption of any persons or persons, person or persons whatsoever. So mm-hmm. she basically says, let me go and help you. Let me go and be right. a pirate, yeah, yeah. but I'll do it for you. Hmm. And I think it's also this appeal that here's this woman who's fought for everything. Elizabeth had mm-hmm. to fight for a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And she appeals to her, I think, as a leader as well as a woman. And I think that's what did it. Because, you know, I Elizabeth had to have known that bad things were going on in Ireland. Like, right. and it yes. seems like she kind of <laughs> sanctioned them. But... At some mm. point, I think hearing firsthand from a woman who had lost a lot and who had fought for so long and who had been mm. an inspiration to her people and had been their leader and protector, mm-hmm. I think Elizabeth maybe saw reason. This is me entirely hypothesizing. But, you yeah, know, I don't know. That's what we do here. Yeah. And and now they're besties. Well. Oh. They're not besties. Okay. But they're certainly acquaintances. I will say that one of the legends is that when she met the queen, she wouldn't bow before Elizabeth because she didn't recognize her as the quote queen of Ireland. And so she sided with her. She basically insisted upon that meeting as equals. Interesting. I love. That could have been insulting, but yeah, very. It could have been bad. It's also rumored that she had a dagger on her, which the people like the guards found when they searched her and the courtiers were all like, Oh no. But she said, I carry it for my own safety. And Elizabeth's like, yeah, that seems fine. Yeah, I get that. And then it seems like Granny Whale sneezed and was given a lace-edged handkerchief from a noblewoman. And so she blew her nose and then threw it into the fire. And everyone's like, because <gasps> lace is very expensive. It was all very expensive. And she said, hey, in Ireland, when it's a used handkerchief, it's dirty and we destroy it. <laughs> it's interesting for a pirate to say. Yeah. Hmm. So one important thing about this discussion is it was conducted entirely in Latin. Mm-hmm. because they didn't the common language they had yes she could speak english but latin was the language of elizabeth's court and it's the language that well french was really you know they had a bunch of languages but elizabeth was quite the scholar and really loved to 
show off in that regard. Who wouldn't, if you can speak Latin, do it. Um, you know, and it seems like she, again, wanted to insist upon them meeting on, on fair grounds. And so it seems as though Bingham was, there's debate that he was removed from his position um, and that Granuel wouldn't support the Lord's rebellions, but it, it seems like that was very temporary. If he was removed, it was very temporary um, because she, Granuel asked for her cattle and land that had been stolen from her to be returned. That didn't happen. And then Bingham was sent back to Ireland and he just destroyed everything. It was horrible. And she said, Like, the, apparently the queen told Bingham, like, you got to release her sons and you need to make a provision for Granuel out of her son's estates. Like, you need to provide for her. And apparently said that you shall also, with your favor and all their good cases, protect them to live in peace to enjoy their livelihoods. Hmm. And then Granuel took the queen's instructions and personally delivered it to Bingham. <laughs> and they he was... Re- yeah. Damn which I love. And she really pissed him off, which I love. And again, so Bingham left, Bingham came back and that war continued to escalate. And in 1595, she petitions Lord Burley and says like, these troops are quartered on my lands. They are horrific and I hate them all. And she said that her sons, cousins, and followers were served with a hundred men at their own charges at sea upon the coast of Ireland in her majesty's wars upon all occasions to continue dutiful unto her majesty as true and faithful subjects. And she supported her son to Boyd to fight for the crown against other confederations of Irish lords. Like she really did kind of end up working with the queen. Um, And yeah, so she kind of, was still fighting. Um, Bingham eventually made his own administrators hate him. And so he had to flee, which I love. And so she kind of started retiring. She wasn't kind of going out so much. Um, and around 1603, she probably dies at Rock Fleet Castle, which is the same year Elizabeth dies. We don't exactly know how she died from what, exactly when or even where she's buried it seemed like she might mm. be have been buried in Clare Island in the abbey at Clare Island because that's where mm. most of her family was buried but you know it's kind of hard to figure out um and so what happens after her death right the wars continue ireland is pretty much subjugated pretty ruthlessly and she's not really given that much credit in irish annals like most of our evidence for her life actually comes from English sources, which is really interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. We have no contemporary images of her, although that's very hard to have. Um, one of the most important information source of information we have about her were those articles of interrogatory, the questions that William Cecil put to her. And also from the letter that Sir Henry Sidney and his son wrote back saying that they met this woman with... Um, three galleys and 200 fighting men. And so it's, you know, it's just very interesting. We have some items, but not so much. And one of the big kind of 
rehabilitators of her story and her life come from Anne Chambers. Hmm. And I love this. This is one of her quotes about her. She says, Grania Whale was a fearless leader by land and by sea, a political pragmatist and politician, a ruthless plunderer, a mercenary, a rebel, a shrewd and able negotiator, the protective matriarch of her family and tribe, a genuine inheritor of the mother goddess and warrior queen attributes of her remote ancestors. But above all, she emerges as a woman who broke the mold and thereby played a unique role in history. Love it. I know. And so we're left with tales and, you know, poems by Irish um, poets and songwriters. And she's become this symbol of Irish independence to a degree. And, you know, she is this really extraordinary figure in the legends of um, life. James Joyce wrote about her in Finnegan's Wake. Um, she ends up just being re- really this kind of inspirational figure. And she's kind of this personification of the clan culture of Ireland, mm-hmm. but also this like somewhat, not somewhat very illicit pirating kind of thing. Here's a, we've had two pirates on our podcast, but here's a Western woman being a pirate, which was, you know, as uncommon as it was in the East. And she's dealing and negotiating with Queens and other dignitaries and nobles. And, you know, um, so yeah, I think she's just like so cool. And something I love is that the commissioners of the Irish lights, they have three vessels that they've named after her, which I like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think she's just like so interesting. I love she's kind of caught between like being a pirate and enjoying her life on the sea the way that her dad would have like engaging in trade and piracy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was part of their culture. She wasn't the first to do it. She just was the first woman, Mm -hmm. Um, which was, it's, it's not, that's not no mean feat, but you know, very important. Um, So it's just kind of a, to me, it's like such an interesting tale because really what I've found by actually reading about her was, you know, my impression was here's this pirate just going around wreaking havoc and then eventually got to meet the queen. And it was kind of implied that the reason she got to meet the queen was that she was an annoyance and wanted to show the queen that she wasn't. But when you read about the facts of what was happening in Ireland at the same time, what she was fighting against and everything she was doing to protect her people and her family, you know, there's a completely different story that emerges. And that's usually what happens on our podcast, isn't it? every time every time but yeah i just think she's so freaking cool you might even say she's a badass abroad Uh, historically (gasps) badass broad oh my god (laughs) she is a badass though she's so cool and now if you didn't know her now you do listen now you do now you do and, and you can so, do more research by reading Anne Chambers' books, you said? Yes. Anne Chambers wrote some phenomenal books. You can do some bad research by watching The Pirate Queen or listening to the soundtrack. Don't do it. <laughs> you instead should just read the books. <laughs> read the books. Read the books. You enjoy um, 
Judith Cook also wrote a book about her, and she's been mentioned by Joan Druitt. There's a couple other, you know, great articles, one by Catherine Curzon um, called Grace O'Malley, the Fearless 16th Century Irish Pirate Queen Who Stood Up to the English. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a long enough title, but there you go. Um, but I really found, um, I just really enjoyed Anne Chambers, uh, Ireland's Pirate Queen and Granny Whale, Ireland's Pirate Queen, which was written before. <laughs> Heck Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to post some cool we, – again, we don't have any contemporary images, but we have some really cool statues. Okay. And one yes. posthumous woodblock illustration and some of they, her castles gonna and have stuff. To, they're going to have to wait and find out. <gasps> oh, my gosh. They're going to have to tune in every week. They're going to have to tune in. To the Instagram, to clarify. Yeah. So happy month of the day that is talk like a pirate day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Check out the Instagram to actually find out when that is. Yep. Yep. And And yeah, we'll see you for spooky season in a month. Spooky. I love spooky season. Me too. It's the best. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 